David and Goliath, there you go, that's what I was looking for. David and Goliath. Well, as the story goes, um, Israel and Philistia um, had been niggling at each other for years and years and years. On and off, little guerrilla attack here, guerrilla attack there. They'd invade a little spot, then they'd withdraw. And it was just annoying until the point where Philistia, 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 well, no one here is alive from that period. I can say whatever I want, can't I? Um, now, sorry, I should just pause. I will try my best not to make any more mother-in-law jokes during my sermons because I love my mother-in-law very much. Hello, Valme, if you're listening. My father-in-law called me up and said, I heard your sermon the other day. Oh, really? My mother-in-law one. That's good. Uh, anyway, um, so they've been niggling at each other for years and years and years until the Philistines finally said, enough. We are going to have it out. This is it. Winner takes all. So they camp there and um, in those days, the tradition was that the largest person, usually the king, usually the king, would fight and um, whoever won that battle, that was the decider. So the whole armies didn't always fight. Sometimes the kings just came out and fought. And Saul actually had been chosen because he was called, he was said to be head and shoulders above everyone else. He was the fighter. Saul was chosen to defend his nation. And uh, in actual fact, Saul was the only one that had any armour in the whole of Israel. One problem. Goliath. If you read and translate some of the um you know the cubit measurements because cubits from your like your fingertip to your elbow all those sort of measurements says that goliath was about three meters high massive massive man says his armor weighed somewhere in the vicinity of about 60 kilos 60 kilos who's 60 kilos in this room anyone <laughs> um 60 kilos. So it'd be like carrying you around, Glenn. 60 kilos. It says that his spear, well, actually, to be quite honest, the tip of his spear was seven kilos. This was a guy not to be messed around with. So the Philistine army and the Israelite army are there. And the Israelites are farmers. They're not fighters. They're farmers. And they have no weapons or anything. And so... Goliath comes out to represent the Philistines and basically heckles them day after day after day because the man that's meant to come out and fight is too scared. So for days, it says 40 days, which is kind of the Israelites' um, uh, way, jargon way of saying a really, really long time. So he's waiting there a long time for someone to come out and fight him. And Saul doesn't come out. Goliath had managed to dishearten a whole nation. Saul's there going, is anyone going to go out and fight him? Anyone? I don't know about you, but I wouldn't have gone out. Goliath, mammoth man. He didn't stand a chance against that guy. And he disheartens a whole nation. Along comes a boy. Not even old enough to join the army. In fact, um, 
if you read a bit earlier on, when because um, Saul had been so disappointing as a king that God said, no more. I'm choosing someone else. In fact, and God chooses David. Well, Samuel the priest comes along to the house of Jesse, who's his dad, and says, someone in your house has been chosen by God to be the new king. Bring out your, your boys. Well, Jesse doesn't even bring out David. Doesn't even bring him out, doesn't even consider him. He's just the, the little boy out in the paddock. So Jess, uh, Samuel goes along blessing, like checking, no, not that boy, no, not that boy, not that boy, not that boy. And he kind of goes, have you got anyone else? Jesse's like, can't think of anyone. Oh, yeah, 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 my little boy out in the paddock, but you wouldn't want to kind of, no, no, no. He's, yeah, that's the man, that's the man. So he's overlooked, he's small. Along comes David and sees this giant mocking the nation of Israel, mocking them day in, day out. He goes, how long has this been going for? His brothers go, it's been going for ages. And then he goes, and, and you know he's mocking God as well in that, don't you? And they go, yeah, well, what are you going to do about it? And he gets so irate. He goes, this cannot keep going. It has got to stop a boy. And says, isn't anyone going to stand up to him? Um, isn't anyone going to, you know, defend our nation and defend God? And so his brothers go, shut up, shut up and go back to the field. Go back to mind and the sheep. Who do you think you are? Sheep. I should imagine there'd be a couple of sheep jokes in there, a couple of bars or something, you know. But David will not stop. Are you kidding me? Not even you will go out and fight my brothers? So he goes up and approaches the king, who is actually meant to be out there. Quite insulting. It's like uh, Phil's not here, but it'd like be if Phil was scared of spiders and he got his son Blake to go and get it, you know? It's just insulting. Oh, I'm not going out, Blake, you go. And so Saul, who is a mammoth man himself, says to this boy, well, how about you go out and fight? But you'd better put on my armour. Just a ridiculous concept. So David says, no, I'll, I'll face Goliath, but I'll face him. In, on my terms. We know the story. I've been thinking, and David mentioned, I love, I love the prayer time. That was great, David. Thank you very much. I threw it on him at last minute, but I loved it. I loved it. Because I've been thinking about the giants that mock our nation. They stand there and they mock God and what God can do. Syria, Nauru, these giants that absolutely plague us as a nation. The destruction of the Barrier Reef. Townsville, we are number one in a few things, aren't we? Yeah, we are. Number one in heat. <laughs> Says Beanie Boy, what's that about? Okay. Um, number one in unemployment disgraceful 
So just this year, here are your statistics, my statistics. April, 12.4%. One month later, May, 13.9%. So jump in over 10%. July, 14.8%. 10%. It's ridiculous. In one month, you went up 10% and another, another 10%. Recently, number one, violent crime. The murder rate here is greater than any other place in Australia. Ridiculous. Youth crime. Incredible. Off the charts insane here, isn't it? Is it not? How often do you drive and not see a car that's been stolen and by the side of the road? Break-ins, youth break-ins is up. And they reckon it's kids under 14. Just insane. Homelessness, youth homelessness, youth truancy. Man, parents in crisis. Off the charts insane. And these giants are like Goliath yelling at our nation, mocking us, saying, what is your God going to do about it? Is no one going to stand up? It's mocking us. That our God cannot do anything. That we cannot do anything. Off the charts. Samsung Note 7 batteries exploding and Apple mocking Samsung and all Android users for that way in their smug little way. Well, at least we have a headphone jack. I just want to say that. Thuringauer and Weir. We make 400 sandwiches a month. A month. Now, I'm no maths genius, but that's about 100 a week. 100 sandwiches we give out. Now, I love what we do, but it's not like... Um, where's Jason work? Was it? Where's Jason work? Touch, it's not like touch of salt coming every lunchtime for them. It's a Vegemite sandwich or a cheese sandwich. It's like, if you had your lunch to eat, you would eat it. But they don't. And that's just the ones we, that stick up their hand and say, hey, do you have something I can eat? A hundred a week. I don't know about you, but when I hear those, that stuff, it's quite immobilising, yeah? What can I do? It is literally a David and Goliath issue for us as people, for Townsville, for a nation. It is absolutely enormous. The list could go on and on. And I don't know about you, but sometimes, um, for me, I become so, like, enraged by that stuff. I was saying to, um, well, a few people, Steve Metch, um, La Metch, as I like to call him, but even like when I first came up here, seeing all the youth just hanging around at night in summer, it's just off the charts insane because they're just unsupervised. And you can have like little one and two-year-olds. I was just like, what is that about? Sometimes the oldest group is sort of 10 and the oldest is like 12 and you go, I, is this for real? And then you look around and there's more groups, you know, and just not just that isolated group. But these are the David and Goliath issues that call us to action 
It calls us to action. A guy, um, an American missionary, was, um, went overseas to some of the Asian nations and um, he saw um, some of the feeding programs. And um, he was watching this massive line. And as he was watching the line, he noticed that at the back of the line, they weren't feeding them enough, fast enough. And at the back of the line, some of the, the women and children were dying. So he goes... He gets, he gets enraged by that. So he races to the front. And he goes, you guys, do you, do you have any concept that at the back of the line people are dying because you're not feeding them fast enough for the front? And the guys at the front said, we've run out of food. We don't have any more for them. So this um, missionary says that is enough enough so he says you know what i've got friends who are business people You're back in america this has got to stop so he starts building orphanages and he gets them on board and he says how about we we form a, a charity group that could t- stop this stuff and the goal was to st- not just um stop um poverty but to stop the root cause of poverty And out of that comes world vision. Every year. So from from this incident where a guy becomes so enraged by this Goliath moment, screaming, mocking the nations, mocking God, comes world vision. Every year, world vision helps 100 million people. 100 million people. I wonder if you have ever been so demoralised by a situation in your life that you're just enraged into action. I wonder if there's a giant in your life. Something in your mind and maybe even in the opinions of others appears greater in strength than you can ever imagine defeating. For some of us, the giant is depression. For some of us, hatred, jealousy, unforgiveness, deep emotional scars. What about the giants that are bigger than ourselves, that threaten us as a nation? Suicide. A culture that promotes the abuse of alcohol and gambling. Addictions, false religions, prostitution, child abuse, divorce, apathy, it just goes on. And if you've experienced any of that, you know they can be devastating. They are David and Goliath moments and they taunt and mock us. They jeer at us, scream at our nations and say, your God can't help you and you are too small to help yourself. But the thing I like about the David and Goliath story, which I think is a great example for us, is that it wasn't a fair fight. David and Goliath's story was not a fair fight. David's a boy, Goliath's a man. But what Goliath should have known is that David had God on his side. It wasn't a fair fight. David was one boy with God and he beat him. He beat 
Goliath. An unbeatable foe that no one would challenge. And David beat him because he had God on his side. With God on your side, we don't fight alone. We fight with God. And God claims the victory. He invites us to share in his victory by empowering us and giving us authority to find victory. When he died on the cross, he paid the price for our failings and he claimed victory for us. And it gives us, it gives you an unfair advantage. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but of power and love and discipline. Some versions read, and a sound mind. God sees every problem we face as an opportunity to prove his power. Every day we encounter countless golden opportunities, brilliantly disguised as insurmountable problems. But your problems are an opportunity to showcase the glory of God. Your problems are an opportunity to showcase the glory of God. Now, I don't, I don't stand here pretending that uh, I get it right all the time. I don't. I can whinge. I can whinge with the best of them. But when faced with fears and our problems, I'd love to be able to say that I was like David. It's what he says to Goliath. I love this. It's what he says to Goliath when he faces him. He's got a sling. Goliath's decked out with all his military gear. He's probably been fighting since he's a boy. David's got a sling. He says this. In the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of armies of Israel, whom you have defied, this day the Lord will hand you over to me and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. And then the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. I'm going to stand here. How dare you defy God? How dare you think that you can have your way over our nations? I, on behalf of God, will stand and confront you with it. And you know what? God has given me the victory and I am going to cut off your head. He goes on to say, actually, not just you, the whole of everyone who stands with you, I'm going to feed their carcasses to the birds and the wild animals. Not just you. Do you ever wonder why David picked up five rocks? Goliath had four brothers. Serious. David wasn't going out to fight one giant. He was going out to fight five. He knew Goliath had a brother. Now, it's not mentioned that they're there, but it is mentioned that he has four brothers. And I should imagine that the Philistine army would have taken all of their best men. He was ready to fight five giants. Not one, five. A little shepherd boy was willing to fight five. 
Here's the key. David trusted what he knew in his heart about God and he used what was in his hand. He trusted what he knew in his heart about God and he used what was in his hand. Faith has many meanings in the Bible. Did you know that? There are lots of meanings for the word faith in the Bible. Some is that Geronimo jump off the cliff. But quite often, the word for faith in the Bible is to trust what you already know to be true about God. Trust what you know to be true about God. And David found strength to fight his Goliath because he knew God had been there for him in the past. When approached by King Saul, how on earth do you think you're going to take down Goliath? He says, well, you know what? God helped me when I fought the lion and God helped me when I fought the bear. God gave me victory there and God will give me victory in the future. If you're looking to the future for what God wants you to do, maybe we need to just pause and have a look at what's in the past and what God has helped you with and have a look at what's in our hand. And you might think it's only small, but God can use whatever you have. When you trust what you know to be true about God in your heart and you use what is in your hand, you are a giant killer. You are a giant killer. I want to just talk. This whole sermon for me was really about two things. One, for us, there are some giants in our lives, yeah? Some emotional scars, some stuff. But two, I'm sick of this Nauru stuff and the unemployment stuff. I want us to, and I know we do stuff about it, but I want us to solve it. I want to kill it. I want to chop off its head and feed its carcass to the wild animals and say, there is a God in Townsville that saves and delivers people. And I love what God does here because I really do feel that is our testimony here, yeah? God delivers people. There is a God in Townsville. And I want us to just be giant killers, giant killers. And if there is something on your heart right now, today, I don't want you to be like the Israelite army going, it's too big, it's just too hard to tackle, it's too much, it's impossible. I don't want you to be like that. Or to look in your hand and go, I've only got five little rocks, what on earth can that do? I want us to look and say, the God, the God that works miracles, the God that works miracles, that formed all this here, the universe, that breathed this into existence, is going to help me take down the Goliath of my life. And for you, it might be um, unemployment or youth crime or something, but there might be something that is burning your heart that you say, no more, it has got to stop. 
And if, only, if I only have five rocks, I will ask God to bless them and use them and I will use what is in my hand and I will trust that there is a faithful God who is powerful and can do it. I'm going to ask the band to come back. There are big, bigger battles for us to fight. And I want us to sing... I think it was Oceans, which talked about, I've got some rocks here. You might want to come and take one. It actually talked about living a life without borders, without limits. Because that's what these giants do. They limit us and they limit what God can do. But God says, I am without borders. There are no giants in God's realm. So this morning, if you would like to, you can come and grab a rock as a symbol that, you know what, there is something that is actually driving me nuts, God. And if all I have is something small, I will, I'll bless you. Bless you, Chris. That I will be faithful and I will trust what I know about, about you. And that is, you are a giant killing God. No problem too big. And I just want to give you some encouragement that if you have already stepped out, and I know there are people here who step out all the time in faith, believing God will have their back. I want to let you know He will. He's been faithful in the past, and He'll be faithful in the future. That when you step out for Him, that He actually has the victory already given to you. God, as we come right now, we want to be faithful with what is in our hand. And for some of us here, you're placing stuff on our hearts that we want dealt with. There is stuff happening right here in this town. Something's got to be done. And we, your people, God, hear your cry, hear your heart. And we want to step out in faith and take down these giants chop off the head, the root cause so that it doesn't ever present itself again so God we open our hearts to you right now as we sing this song we want to live a life without borders limitless with you for your glory for your glory